Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach Bye. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach Bye. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach Bai, and as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the pod, reacting to something that happened for the first time in a very long time, and that is a loss to the Los Angeles Clippers, which um, I think I said uh, it was maybe last week or week and a half ago that uh, they needed to go to the courthouse and sign the papers and officially adopt the Clippers as uh, Los Angeles's daddy. Um Well, the shoe is on the other foot Uh, on Wednesday night on ESPN. Hot start for the Nuggets. A 15-point lead after the first quarter evaporated uh, with that bench unit. And ultimately, when the clocks ended up hitting zeros, it was a 111-102 loss to the Clippers. Uh, This has been a completely one-sided affair. I gave the stats to you um, after that uh, most previous win where it was Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan appreciation episode. Uh, That was, was that two weeks ago or was that a week ago? That was... Uh, that was uh, at the end of October. So that must have been Tuesday, November 28th. We have now turned the page into the month of December. Um, but uh, that was the last time these two teams locked horns. And it was one of these things where it was it was a mind, uh, you know what, um, because you just played these guys without Jokic, without Aaron Gordon, and without Jamal Murray, on a night, if you remember, that Michael Porter Jr. scored like five points in the first quarter and didn't score again until like the last minute of the game. He finished with eight points. And it was one of these things where you can kind of um, convince yourself that uh, you don't need to uh, bring your A game or your B game. Hey, if 33-year-old Reggie Jackson and 35-year-old DeAndre Jordan can do it, of course, with Jokic in the lineup, with Jamal Murray returning to the lineup, uh, with um, uh, Aaron Gordon back in the lineup. I mean, this was the first time that we saw the uh, a full assembly of talent going back to the Chicago Bulls game on uh, Tuesday, November 4th, when Jamal Murray uh, tweaked that hamstring just 10 minutes into the contest. So it was one of these things where you just assume, of course, you're going to beat the Clippers. You always beat the Clippers. I will tell you, I did not have a good feeling about it all day. Did not have a good feeling about it because I had the, um, the the gut feeling that Jamal Murray was going to play. Now, he was listed as questionable. He ended up playing. That was going to be my assumption after he was held out over the weekend on the back-to-back on Friday and Saturday. Um, so... And 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 my and my thought is, uh, and I share this on the air, and actually pick the Clippers uh, to win this game. And my thought process was, and, and it ended up not being as sound as I thought. But two reasons I picked the Clippers uh, on the radio show, uh, the drive on Wednesday, a few hours before the game. One is that um, the assumption that you're going to win. I hate assuming things, especially in pro sports, when the other guys know the score, all right? And the guys who I'm talking about, uh, you already know. You already know. I'm talking about Paul George. I'm talking about Kawhi. I'm talking about James Harden um, and and Westbrook, all right? And there's a lot of pride on that side, all right? A lot of ego, all right? They know exactly how they've been dominated by Denver. They remember what happened 10 days before, 
or whatever it was without all the frontline guys for Denver. And I just thought you were going to get an absolute max effort. And the other reason is that I don't like betting on a team. And I don't mean literally betting, uh, as I stayed away from this game. Um, betting on it, I mean. Um, I don't like counting on a team. Let me say it like that. No matter how good they are, when you're trying to reincorporate uh, a star player, a star player that is going to have the basketball as much as a guy like Jamal Murray, right? And so that's that's just one of my philosophies, not specific to uh, Wednesday evening on ESPN in Los Angeles, just in general. uh, And it is actually a betting principle that I've had, you know, since my early 20s of when a a team is reintroducing a star, I like betting against that team. Um, And that was going to be the case with Jamal Murray. Now, I know he came back for um, whatever it was, 23 minutes um, uh, uh, last week when he tweaked the ankle two minutes in. But um, in general, that, that, that has been my principle. So for those couple of reasons, I, I didn't like, uh, didn't, did not like uh, how I felt ahead of this matchup. Um, certainly didn't want to feel that, um, but um, nonetheless, I did. Uh, and it ended up uh, coming to fruition, but not in the way that I would have thought. I thought Jamal um, played well. I mean, I, I did. I thought he was moving around well. He was mostly efficient. Now, Two of seven from three, but ten of eighteen from the floor um, uh, to go with six assists to just a single turnover. Now it, I know things got a little bit squirrely and sloppy um, there in the fourth quarter uh, with Jamal um, in crunch time. But that being said, I, you know and I've tried to emphasize this a lot over the last couple of weeks. I'm not dwelling on any singular win or loss with Denver. Um, more just looking at the operation and not the final score because this is, you could maybe argue, uh, one of the least relevant, if not the l- least relevant regular season in the history of this franchise. You know, the year after they're winning uh, the title. Now, does that mean the regular season doesn't matter? No, it's not what I'm saying. Seeding is going to matter. Endurance matters. Building continuity Um uh, all over again matters. Uh, building the bench unit and trying to figure out what what is going to happen there. Um, there's certainly value to all this stuff, uh, but it's not. It doesn't feel the same as um, all the previous regular seasons up to this point in doing this podcast. Um, but uh, so in general, I thought Jamal was good. I did think Jamal was good. Twenty three points. Love to have him back. He played 29 minutes. Um, so I, on the whole, Jamal was good. This game was about Jokic. And I can't remember how many years it's been since we came in here on the podcast and talking talking about Jokic being like the central reason that they lost or one of the central reasons that they lost. Now, we've had conversations earlier in the season by some of his decision-making um, in fourth quarters had almost cost this basketball team. Uh, I remember the game against the Warriors where it was just a terrible, ill-advised pass um, uh, uh, from one side of the corner, uh, one side of the floor to the opposite corner, which Curry intercepted, went down, and, like, made a three. might even been an and one. I forget. But it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not used to seeing that from Jokic. Then there was a separate game against these Clippers, I'm pretty sure. Remember when Jokic had the ball stolen with, like, 10, 10, 20 minute left or whatever by Paul George, and he scored, and it was like a situation. And then he missed some free throws. It was like, oh, my gosh, Jokic was almost one of the reasons that they lost. But they got out of it, uh, those jams with W's. Uh, On Wednesday night, Jokic, like, and this is why you got to watch the games. Like, 
if, if I know there are some people opening up the box score, not focusing enough on the attempts to makes, and are looking at, oh, yeah, Jokic did it again, 22, 15, and 10, and, you know, they just didn't have enough to win. Um, that's not really how it went. I thought Jokic, by his standards, now hear me, hear me clearly, by his standards, I thought Jokic was terrible. I really did, and I can't remember the last game where I felt like that about Nikola Jokic. He missed so many shots. Nine of 32, 32 shots. That's just uncharacteristically high in general, but especially for a night when he was as bad from the floor as he was. I mean, we had just did an episode 48 hours ago, or maybe it was even last week, I forget. They, they all start to run together here, where um, I was equating Jokic's floater to Kareem abdul uh, Abdul Jabbar's hook shot, where it's unguardable, it's unblockable, damn near, um, and so efficient. I mean, just hyper efficient. Do you think like seven, eight out of every 10 of those floaters that he shoots uh, are going in? And man, he missed all kinds of bunnies on Wednesday night. Uh, on national TV, it was just bizarre uh, how many shots he missed. At one point, um, Nikola Jokic missed nine consecutive shots. Just weird. Just weird. Um, you know, took seven threes, made two of them. Um, now, he ends up as a plus, and every starter did, um, but that's certainly not letting the, uh, the, the, the starters off the hook. Now, the bench has such a long way to go. Um, that first stint was just horrible. Um, but uh, this, to me, this, this, this was on Jokic. This was on Jokic. And it's one of these things where you see, you, 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 you get reminded that he bleeds. You know, he's immortal and um, amortal. Not immortal. Now he will be immortalized in uh, in the basketball hall of fame. But he is immortal. He had a bad night. This is so crazy because not. I don't even know when the last time Jokic had a game like this. I legitimately don't even know. I didn't look back at his game log. I'm not gonna look at back at his game log. Um, I'm looking at this as a total one off that was just weird, man. Just freaking weird. Uh, how much stock do I put in it? Not much. Not much at all. Um, you acknowledge it, face it, accept it for what it is. Um, but I'm not going to draw a straight line between this and really anything. I'm just going to chalk it up to a really bad night. Um, and I think that you'll see him bounce back in a major way against the Rockets uh, on Friday evening back in Denver. God, does it feel like they've played the Rockets and Clippers just already a ton this year? Am I making that up with the Clippers? Um, because, no, they had a sequence where the Clippers and Rockets were back-to-back, so I'm not misremembering it. It was in the early uh, November, the 8th and then the 12th. Um, or, no, excuse me, the 12th and the 14th. Um at Houston and home against LA. So it'll be the inverse of that this time. But yeah, no, they've gone, they've, so they've played Houston already three times, right? Cause they lost the first two. Yeah. So they're already going to play Houston for a fourth time. I'm not losing my mind. I swear they played them the 12th and they lost. Then they played them the 24th and they lost. And then we were looking ahead saying they couldn't lose to them three straight times. They didn't, they won by 10 
in Denver a couple Wednesdays back, and then they'll they'll run it back uh, with the Rockets on Friday at home, where the Nuggets are the best home team in the entire NBA. A perfect nine and zero. They're the they're uh, along with um, the Celtics, right? Let me just double check. Yeah, so the Celtics are nine and zero at home. And the Nuggets are 9-0 at home. Outside of that, everyone has at least one home loss. And there's other great home teams, too. Orlando, I mean, look at the magic. Goodness gracious. The third seed at 14-7 and and 9-2 at home. Milwaukee is 10-1 at home. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves are 10-1 at home. So um, we'll see if the Nuggets can take care of business uh, against uh, the same... Houston Rockets team that they had just beat uh, here within the last two weeks. I think they will. The Rockets are much improved, but they're not really truly on Denver's radar if you're getting a totally focused effort, especially at home. Um, Now, the Rockets are coming off a really nice win against Oklahoma City uh, on December 6th uh, last night at the time of recording. It's the 7th. Um, so we'll see we'll, we'll see what kind of um, a spirit uh, and competitive nature that they have uh, coming to Denver. I've talked to you guys uh, how I am a big um, Alperin Shangun fan. I think he's a future all-star. I think this is now the third time we've talked about him this year. I'm really looking forward to that matchup again. But I think the Rockets um, need to make sure they, they, they eat their Wheaties in the morning because you're going to get a highly motivated Denver Nuggets team back at home. All right, guys, we're going to leave it there for now. I am trying to keep my uh, voice uh, low because I am on the verge of losing it once again, um, which I feel like this is the third time that I've said this already this year, but it's, it is what it is. I've already been on the air for over an hour today. Um, and I have four hours ahead of me here um, in about uh, 20 minutes at the time of recording. I hope you guys are doing great. Um, I hope uh, that uh, you'll you'll be able to watch that game against Houston on Friday night. And um, let's just look ahead really quickly beyond Friday before we say goodbye. So you have the Rockets at 7 o'clock at home on Friday night, and then they'll turn around and get the rest of the weekend off and play in Atlanta, which has historically been problematic for Denver. Um, That'll be on Monday evening at 5.30 local time, and then followed up uh, with a back-to-back against the Chicago Bulls on that Tuesday. So we'll be back on Tuesday. I'm going to fly to Boston uh, and cover the Army-Navy game uh, in, in Foxborough with my co-host Philip Lindsay. But I'll be back on Sunday. Uh, we'll watch the game on Monday night against Atlanta. And whatever happens against the Atlanta Hawks, we'll be back on Tuesday uh, talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast.